This episode of Tub Talk is brought to you by Avast Business. With over 435 million active users of Avast products, if you haven't already taken a look at what Avast Business is offering, now might be the time. Visit tubblog.co.uk forward slash Avast for all the links to the details. Right now, though, let's jump into our featured interview. Hey folks, Richard Tubb here, back again with another episode of Tub Talk, and I'm super excited today because I'm joined by my friend, Eamon Moore. Now, Eamon has been involved in the technology industry since 1995, and he spent his last few years as a technology entrepreneur. He's built and sold a managed service provider business. He's founded a business intelligence business. We'll talk more about that. And additionally, he's currently raising investment for an artificial intelligence-based music intelligence company. So this guy really is a technology entrepreneur. He's also an advisory council member at Digital Business Island and simply put, is one of the most progressive tech entrepreneurs that I know. Eamon, welcome to Talk. Great. Well, thanks for having me, Richard. And that's some introduction. I hope I live up to this on, on this call. But no, thank you for having me. It's, it's, oh, great, it's great to talk to you. It's my pleasure. And obviously, you're at home in whereabouts in Ireland today? So in Dublin. In Dublin. Yeah, yeah. So in Raffarnham in Dublin. So we're lucky enough. We've, we've a large park beside us, Marley Park, which has been good uh, over lockdown with, with the kids and, and that kind of stuff and get a bit of exercise. So it, it's a good location to be if you're going to be locked down. Yeah. Um, but it's, yeah. it's a nice part, part of the world. We were talking just before we came on air, so we are recording this um, uh, during the, uh, we're in June 2020, so we're, we're coming to the tail end of the lockdown for most countries in the world now. Um, but you and I, the last time we saw each other face to face, I mean, we only live like 50 minutes apart from Dublin <laughs> to Newcastle upon time, and we were on the west coast of the States, weren't we, in uh, San, San, in San, San Diego? Diego? Yeah, yeah. Oh, that, yeah. That was, we had a good day that day. <laughs> we did have a good day that day for lots of different reasons, but uh, yeah, so you're, you were you were saying just before we came on air that you're looking forward to getting out there and, uh, and travelling again, because you do yeah. a lot of travelling, don't you? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, for for the for various reasons, you know, whether it be customers or business or partnerships that we have uh, outside of Ireland, you know, particularly in the US, uh, also for raising investment among the other businesses. There's a lot can be done over Zoom calls like this, um, but you can't beat uh, kind of face to face, you know. And I think it's um, and I think a lot of this has changed uh, for for good for 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 better, you know. Certainly in terms of we, you'll have meetings now that can be just as productive over Zoom. So you won't have to go and do face to face for absolutely, absolutely every single engagement, and so I, I think I think we're all going to be in a better space um, after this and uh, coming out of lockdown in terms of the the, the value that we get from the various meetings and face to face interactions that we will have. Yeah, agreed. So let's rewind a little bit first. Let's start at the beginning. So I mentioned you've been in the tech industry since 1995. Can you give us an insight into your journey from Dublin City University to where we are today? Yeah, sure. Yeah. So I, I started in DCU in, in 1998. It was a degree in computer applications. Um, my tech career had started a, a little earlier. I was lucky enough that I worked in two organizations during my school years. Uh, one was a company called CSK Software, uh, which was owned by Dermot Desmond, um, a highly successful uh, entrepreneur in, in Ireland and, and globally. Uh, so I learned my trade there. Um, and then went on to, to work uh, in another company, ESAT, which is essentially bought by uh, BT then as well. Dennis O'Brien founded that company. So two great real entrepreneurs um, that I managed to, to, to work in their companies when I was from the age of 15 up to up to about 20, you know, during my school years and my university years as well. So it was a great 
uh, ground to, to learn the trade to, to you know and I, I learned quite a lot then like I, I was obviously I was, kid, I was a kid I was young um, but I was dealing with people who were in their 20s 30s 40s 50s like you know being socially being able to deal with people being able to interact on a business level uh, I always look back at that time as being key to uh, how I'm able to, to deal with people now and, and have been throughout my career so that, that was a really interesting time and um, went and did a degree in uh, computer applications. It was very much a programming course, you know, so that's not my forte. Uh, you know, I, I was always the the, the, the uh, front of house person, you know, I was always the presenter. So when we did team projects, it was me that kind of did the presenting piece. It was me that kind of talked to the lecturers, did a lot of the research, the background piece, uh, while some of my friends in college would have been far stronger at the programming end. So we were a great combo. And I loved that. And, you know, they were interested in the programming piece and they were very nervous around getting up and presenting I just love that, you know, again, I probably bring that back to my times in, in CSK in particular when at 15 or 16, I had to get in front of fairly senior people and, and, and discuss things with them. So uh, that was a great mix and came out of that uh, degree in 2002. And there was a real challenge in the market then as well. Like the dot-com bubble had burst, you know, so certainly years that had gone in ahead of us. And um, students were being headhunted well before the final exams were, were carried out. Like if you were looking good, if you were in some of the top tier students um, in that the degree, you were being headhunted six months ahead of time. Uh, that didn't happen in our year. Um, and a lot of us had different decisions to make. Some people left technology altogether and went into to government roles, you know, other kind of business roles. Uh, and I had an opportunity to um, consult. And that's when I founded my first company, Emit, as a result of that straight after university. Yeah, um, our careers followed uh, not a dissimilar path. Um, so I've often talked about, you know, I've, I've been really lucky to be able to spend time with some of the brightest and most successful people in the IT industry. I know you have as well. We founded our uh, MSP business around the same time. I think the first time we, you and I met was when you were running the MSP, and I believe it was in Dublin. I was perhaps speaking at an event over there. Would, would that be right? Correct. Yes, that's yeah. right. Yeah, yeah. I remember it well. Yeah, so tell me more about um, uh, Emit starting the MSP, and you know, and what led to you uh, exiting that business. Yeah, so that that started in two thousand three. Uh, I started on my own as a sole trader. Uh, I was a consultant to a number of of businesses throughout Ireland, essentially acting as a as an outsourced IT manager consultant, if you like. And um, we we did that for a number of years. Brought the company limited in two thousand eight. Started to build up a team then, and it kind of it morphed into an IT support business. So people were kind of saying, "We love the consultancy piece. We love that IT management piece. But where do we go when you're not here?" You know. So we built out a small support team, um, and and we kept that model going for a number of years uh, and through the recession as well and it was a good model in terms of that outsourcing piece so we somewhat had a good recession I suppose in that business um, and then we started to look, look at cloud early days particularly with the likes of Google um, we were uh, we were one of the top partners for Google Apps in in Ireland at the time, and we saw good traction in that market. It was we were really just moving email to the cloud. You know that was all we were doing, um, and but we we built up quite a good business on that side. And then um, around that around 2013 2014, I got a, a nice knock on the door from Microsoft saying. We're, we're back in the cloud game. We're realigning our strategy. We're good to go. We all know we've had some bumps in the road, but this is a journey that we're taking. And they presented that that vision to me. And they said, would you like to come on this journey with us? You know, and we said, absolutely. You know, and we, we kind of, lo- we looked at that um, as an opportunity in the market. We 
we have, we were developing an MSP business. We weren't very much hardware driven and hardware hardware focused. Um, so we didn't have that reliance on, on hardware in our organization, which meant we could adapt to a, a cloud journey with the likes of Microsoft quite easily because we didn't have that big hardware shift to turn, you know, and that that real big change in business model. So we, we, when we looked at our competitors in the market, we said, here's an opportunity to, to jump on this. And, and we did. In, in 2013, uh, we moved all our customers to the cloud with, with, with Microsoft, um, and then it just kind of took off from there. You know, we, we two great partnerships. We, we like focus was a huge part for us back then. We had a lot of partnerships in the ship to that point. Uh, we started. We decided to focus on Microsoft and Dell, and we great success with both. We ended up winning global awards with both those partners uh, around 2015, 2016, which was just a fabulous time to be in business, and it was great for our team as well. Um, and and then ultimately, uh, as you said there. We um, we had an opportunity to exit that business in, in 2018, which which we took. You know, 2016 there was a lot of offers when we won Global Partner of the Year with Microsoft in 2016. A lot of people came knocking. You know, Ireland, UK, Europe, and um, but we decided let's keep going as we are because we were starting to build out our data business as well uh, and our BI business. And we said let's keep going. But in 2018, I just saw the way the market was going, and we decided to uh, to take the leap. Yeah, it's an incredible story, and I remember at the time when you wore the, when you won the uh, you know the Partner of the Year awards and that, and just being so chuffed for you because I knew how much you focus on these relationships, and and that still holds too true to today. Tell us a little bit more. So you were Emit were a leading partner in Ireland with both Dell and Microsoft. In fact. There was barely a week gone by at the time. I remember that I, I didn't see you in some sort of Microsoft uh, sort of promotional campaign or whatever. But how would you describe your attitude towards vendor relationships? Because I would say what you did differed from most MSPs at the time. Yeah, like I, I suppose when, when we looked at it, um, we had about 20 partnerships, I'd say, in the industry. You know, And there was a lack of focus in EMIT at the time. We were trying to do a bit too much, so we decided to consolidate those partnerships with a couple of vendors who could help us cover that breadth and have that expertise. Uh, and, and that was the best decision that we ever made because from a technical point of view, we had more focus. And from a leadership point of view, then we were able to, to focus our attention on two partners and uh, I, I think that was very that that, that was that was a it was a great move for us. You know, it was the best thing we ever did in that organisation. It, it provided clarity for our customers as well in terms of who we were leading with. And listen, there were two big brands like you know who didn't know who Dell and Microsoft were, no matter what business you're in. So going there and and having achieved success with them and being rated as a as one of their top partners in Ireland and um, opened a lot of doors for us. So it, 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 was, it was really good, you know, and we innovated as well. You know, I remember with Dell, when they had the SonicWall brand under their remit as well, like we launched Firewalls a service into the, into the Irish market and we were the first partner to do so. Um, and we worked closely with, with Dell and the likes of Exertus as well. And on the DC point of view to do that. And, and that was, that was new to the market. It was exciting. It was something we really believed in and, and bring that into it as a service model. And I suppose it's Showing now that many partners down in the MSP space have, have have built that model into our organisation, so it was nice that we were one of the first to be out there doing that. So I think that co that co innovation piece was was absolutely key, and to be involved in some of those early decisions and those early uh, solutions that were brought to market uh, was was really great for us as an organisation. Yeah, it was w- wonderful to see. And, and again, congratulations on sort of building and selling that business because I think it was a, a vindication of just all the hard work that you'd put in and then that type of model works. Um, what was, if you don't mind me asking, what was the catalyst for you exiting uh, EMIT, exiting the MSP? 
Well, I, I think so. We uh, after twenty sixteen, we started to see uh, data BI opportunities. You know, particularly in our relationship with Microsoft and that partnership. Um, and I started to look at the market. You know, and, and I'm lucky that I do a lot of work with, with the likes of Microsoft and other partners in the states. And I, I sit on at various advisory councils over there. So you do get to see, you know, a, a, a kind of insight into what's coming down the line. You know, and, and it did. It did appear to me that there was a lot of consolidation that was going to be required in the MSP market. And, um, you know, and I, I saw a change in the way, you know, that the likes of Azure, Opportunity 65, security, all had to be configured, you know, and all that expertise that you really had to bring as an MSP compared to the old days, really, of, of that hardware implementation that you might do as an MSP. So I, I could start to see that coming into the, into the market. Um, and but I could also then on our our data and BI business that we've launched, we saw a lot of opportunity there in terms of well when people are and organizations are moved to the cloud by an MSP, who's going to come in and be that data and BI partner? And so we we are essentially we're running two uh, businesses in one in EMIT. And uh, both needed investment, you know, both needed highly skilled people. Uh, and what, what we saw in the market then we said, okay, well, why don't we let MSPs who have the ability to scale further than, than we could bring an EMIT, let them do that and then let us come in in a kind of partner-to-partner engagement and be their data and BI partner to allow them to continue to add value to their customers. Um, and, and that was, you know, I'm, I'm a big fan of partner-to-partner, as you know. Uh, it, it didn't work when we had both an MSP business and a data and BI business all rolled up into one when you're trying to partner with another MSP. So that, that formed part of the decision as well that we wanted to be different in the market. Was that because people saw it as a um, as a conflict of interests? Yeah, I think. I think yeah, I, I think the I think the, the main concern was that the, if you were an organisation like EMIT that had both sides uh, of of delivery to customers, there, there might be a danger, even with contractual agreements and everything. But there might be a danger the customer might say, "Well, can they can they be my MSP and my data and BI partner?" Uh, it makes sense that we do that we do it all with them, you know. So that just didn't work well, um, and I think the Irish market wasn't as mature for partner partner as other uh, regions that we we had done business in uh, that's changing now and um, so i think our, our time has worked out well yeah and so the business intelligence business that you founded hikari data solutions uh, tell us a little bit more about the the work that you do there what does that look like yeah, so we kind of brought our Microsoft relationship into this uh, organization as well in Hikari. Um, you know, it's it's very much built around, it started off being built around the Power BI platform and is now in recent months part of our strategy is more aligned to the Power Platform uh, uh, portfolio with Microsoft. And um, so on the, on the Power BI side, you know, we're, we're doing a lot of engagements with customers around bespoke uh, business intelligence, data analytics requirements that they have. That could be anything like, you know, we have an Excel file that has just grown to an almighty size that needs to be automated, that needs to be visualized better. Uh, it can also be scenarios whereby customers have a number of platforms that they use in their organization and they want to bring all that data and analytics under one roof. Um, and we've also developed products as well. So in EMIT, we did a lot in the press and services market. And um, so we built a couple of products in the legal and accounting sectors. So our legal BI and accountancy BI product where we've layered Power BI on top of the main practice management providers they have in that in that sector and we've built a whole product around that to give a suite of dashboards and reporting for legal firms and accountancy firms. So that's the Power BI business and then as a result of our, 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 our realigned strategy we've now expanded out to Power Platform
platform. Um, and this is pre-COVID, but now we're seeing a lot of work um, as a result of COVID in terms of automating workflows and processes and that kind of piece. And Power Platform sits really well there. Yeah. What do you think business intelligence should mean to MSPs? Yeah, I think, you know, so we brought business intelligence into EMIT very early, you know. So I remember we did a lot of integration projects uh, with Autotask, with ConnectWise and various sort of tools that we had that we were using in EMIT to give, to bring BI front and center uh, to us as an MSP. So, you know, as an MSP, I think it's really important that it's utilized uh, internally across the various platforms because there's a quite a lot of platforms that, that MSP MSPs have to use in order to deliver these services to their customers. So I think to bring it front and center of what they do, we then brought another step forward and we brought business intelligence into the reporting element of what we do. So rather than sending a, a Word document or a PDF, like we sent a whole BI report to the customers that they could tweak with the data and and and, and mess with the views, et cetera. You know, so that, that, was, that, that was very important for us. And then I, I think thereafter then, I think more and more, uh, MSPs, and they are, they will always be the trusted partner of, of, of a business. They are, you know, they're heavily relied on, uh, particularly now when you go through something like the pandemic and COVID. Um, so now as organizations go to their MSP to say, you've helped me get set up security, you've helped me get set up remotely, et cetera. We're, we're, we're good on that side, but how can we get more out of what we have? How can we get more out of our data? How can we look at, at automating many of these workflows and processes that have really been highlighted as weak as inefficient because we're all working remotely now? And very often MSPs won't have that skill set. So I think bringing that BI layer, that, that automation piece, and bringing a trusted partner like ourselves in uh, makes a lot of sense at the moment. Yeah, and we'll include all the details of Hikari and uh, how to get in touch with you and everything else in the show notes as well. I, I want to dig into you know some things that I think you're you're you've already talked about that you're very famous for, and that's partner to partner solutions. Why do you see partner collaboration as being key to the future of managed services? Um, so good question. So I, I think it's really around um, the portfolios that vendors have now and where. Where, where an MSP fits, you know, you know, I, 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 deal, I deal a lot and I, I mentor a lot of um, uh, Microsoft partners and MSPs around the world through that, through that relationship that we have, you know, and, and some of them say to me, well, I, I'm, I'm a Microsoft um, Azure partner, you know, and, you know, I say, well, that's great. That, that's a pretty broad statement to make, you know, so I think you, you got to really know what to do. Where, where your speciality is, how you're, how, how you're adding value for your customers, and then go and do that really well, you know, and bring in the best team to do it, have the best certifications and do that piece. And that's why I think the partner to partner piece makes sense because you can't be everything to everyone. You've got to come in, even if it's across a platform like Office 365 or Microsoft 365, you've got to know what you're doing and do it well. Um, and I think that value added piece needs to come in, you know, and, and you can see this with the way vendors like Microsoft are dealing with that, they're now putting in um, facilities where multiple partners are recognized in a deal, whether that's to, uh, you know, the, some of the clawbacks that you get, you know, the, 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 uh, and the likes of that. And I think that's really important that that's the way the market is going. So I think it's, you know, the right fit partner to come in. If, if I think back to the EMIT days, when we had an MSP business and we had a data and BI business, uh, the, the makeup of the team is completely different. Like the team was built differently. They talked differently. You never would have crossed over your MSP team with your data and BI team. They just, as I say, they're, they're built differently. They have a different skill set. Um, and, and that's, you know, I, I think that's the reason why I think that partner-to-partner piece is, is, is needed. 
Yeah, absolutely. And, and again, it really strikes a chord with me because I've shared with you in the past that my MSP business was built off the back of those partner-to-partner collaborations and stuff. We we uh, hit much above uh, our weight because we partnered up with other businesses to delivered solutions that we de- didn't necessarily have expertise in. So it's great, you know, that even going back when I ran an MSP many, many years ago now, but that's still happening today. And it's great to see that Microsoft are changing their way that they're rewarding those partner relationships as well, as you say, sort of making sure that the incentives and things are broken down. Um, yeah, and, and I think I think, I think the other thing as well, it's about scale as well. So if you look as, as an MSP or another partner, how am I going to scale? You can scale through those partnerships, you know, and I think what, what the pandemic has proven is like our, our partner, partner engagements globally now have grown significantly as a result of, of COVID. So it goes to show that we can prove that this model will work in a remote scenario um, which it, it, so it doesn't have to be that in-person, face-to-face, P2P engagement in your region. It can be. It can stretch across multiple regions. Yeah. What about the next level of partner engagement? What about actually starting a business with someone? So you're a tech entrepreneur. You've started lots of businesses. What are your thoughts on forming businesses out of existing collaborations? Yeah, so that that's something that we're doing in our in our artificial intelligence business. It it, it it's an organisation called Platinum Innovation that's based out of Dublin. Um, so we we had this concept around bringing artificial intelligence, machine learning, uh, to the music industry, to content decision makers, um, in both the music industry but also industries that have to make decisions around music, whether it be advertising, uh, broadcast, etc. Um, and so I I had this concept that I that I put together. Uh, I brought it some of the, the contacts I had in Microsoft in the States. They they, they backed us and, and said, listen, this is a really a great concept. Let's work in this together. Uh, and then I said, okay, line me up with some some of the best partners that you have in data and AI. And, and lucky enough, it was one of the partners that they put us together. But I I, I knew the gentleman, the CEO, we'd, we'd spoken together on stage at Microsoft Inspire. Um, and I, I suppose what, what happened then was we, we saw maybe this might be just a a service delivery piece, you know, a project engagement. And then we, we got on so well and um, that that um, we saw the, the potential in this market that we decided to go into business together. And that was that was a, a complement of skills, but it was just a, it was a click between uh, which what is now our leadership team that we brought that we brought together as a result, predominantly a partner partner engagement. So it it's the next level and it's really exciting. Um, like what, what gives me confidence is I, I know that in that organization we have the best of the best people like the, like in terms of it's all built on, on the Microsoft stack as as you imagine given my, my background um, but we have we have the best and that brings huge confidence into our investors into myself when I'm out doing the sales and business development piece so I, I think it's really interesting that it's there has to be a lot of tr- it's, it's based on trust you know trust is absolutely key, uh, and we have bucket loads of us in that organisation, so it's it's great. So it is the next evolution of partner to partner. Yeah, yeah, I look forward to seeing where that goes as well. That's super exciting times for you with a really exciting sort of project that you've got going on there. Um, Cloud, you've already mentioned. You know, you used to do Google. You were at the cutting edge back in the day. You're still at the cutting edge now. But in terms of cloud consultancy, it, there's. A, uh, an interesting situation for MSPs in that uh, cloud has made life a lot easier in terms of monitoring and maintenance and all the things that uh, the MSPs used to spend a lot of time delivering. However, the complexity of cloud security and technology, it, it's 
proving to be too much for MSPs to deliver things on their own, which comes back again to your conversation about seeking out partners. How do you see the cloud landscape and how do you see partnership on cloud-based projects? Yeah, so I, I think you know you, you see now the the again the evolution of like managed security providers, you know, coming in partnering with, with with MSPs. I think that I think that's great. You know, I think if anything kept me awake at night when I had an MSP, it was security. You know, about what yeah. could happen, what what was the expectation of the customer in terms of what we had to deliver. So I I really uh, I really like that partnership piece coming together. I think you're right. I think automation. Uh, is is a great thing for MSPs because it, it gets a lot of that groundwork away. You know, you see a lot of things around templates, etc., and how how they're they're installed and configured. Uh, I, I think honestly, what it, what it will do is, you know, if I, if I look at the, the 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 selling of cloud and and how you talk to customers about it, right when we started out with cloud, it, it was really just a lift and shift. It was more like like I said in the, in the early days, Google was just like you have a server, let's get rid of it. It's it can be plenty of problems. It's a lot to maintain it. Let's just get it up to cloud and away we go. Um, so uh, and, and that that kind of piece then is was the old way. Now I think it's more solution selling. It's about outcomes. So, you know, and it's about making sure that it's aligned with the expectations of the customer about what they really need as an organization and what they need technology to deliver upon for them. And that's a completely different conversation that we've had in the past as MSPs. Uh, and I think in order to either bring in people or train people in your organization uh, to, to have those skills, I think you need to take away a lot of the, the, the previous workers there. So that's why I'd be a big fan of the automation piece, I said, a big fan of bringing in partners around security, because there's a whole other piece on the consultancy side that needs to be done in order for, for, for customers to get that value and to be able to use these technologies for the greater potential of their organization. Yeah. You are a consummate networker. Um, <laughs> people say to me, Richard, you know, everybody in the industry, and I'm like, like my little black book is probably a quarter the size of yours. Like you know absolutely everybody uh, in the industry. But for those MSPs perhaps listening to this, and you know, you've been wildly successful with the partner model, um, and uh, you're evangelizing the partner model to others. But perhaps the MSPs listening to this are, well, I like this, but I'm nervous about reaching out to somebody that I might perceive as my competitor. How do you go about, you know, the the opening of those relationships? How do you reach out to a company that you think this might be a good partner for us? Um, yeah, so I, I think it's 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 twofold, really. Like we would... On my on my various journeys and trips, you'd meet you'd meet partners who uh, who I would reach out to, me and you see uh, a complimentary service there, perhaps you know. And then I I think it's a lot of time I would meet other CEOs, and I think it's 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 driven by the CEO and the leadership team themselves, you know. And often when when I meet them, I ask about their goals, where they want the organization to go to. Uh, you know, it's it's important then to see, you know, many businesses are are not just in IT, but are lifestyle businesses, you know, and that that one that would just I'm, I'm happy you know, with, with, with the package I can give myself, it secures my my, my family and, and my requirements, etc. cetera. Uh, and a lot of times those kind of businesses are, are not ones that are going to want to scale and not ones that are particularly a good fit for the partnership model. So it, for me, it's important when you ask those questions about what the ambition of the company is and and, and where they want to go and how, how they see growth in their organization. As I said earlier, it's a great model to scale in. You know, if you think of, you if you can get a partner, partner model right, you actually have the salespeople, the marketing people of another organization promoting the services that you do. 
at little or no cost to you. So it's a great model if it works like that. Um, so I, I think it's it's really down to the ambition uh, of the organization is where I start to see a fit. If, if, if there's something that they want to grow and scale, uh, then I think the other, the other pieces can be can be ironed out, you know, and I, I always go back to trust. It always starts with one deal. You know, it, it has to be, one deal has to go well. There has to be a good fit. Uh, there has to be a good uh, interaction between both partners. And the main thing is that there's clarity for the customer. The customer cannot get confused by a partner partner engagement about confusion about who do I ring for this? Who do I ring for that? That they are the things that need to be ironed out and run smoothly in the initial days. And then I think that's my secret to success and a formula to success for, for that model, I think. Yeah, good advice. I like it. And, and talking of uh, trust and talking of networking, I've already uh, mentioned the fact that the last time we caught up in person was in uh, San Diego. I didn't actually know you were in town. Um, and then our mutual friend is the godfather of CRM, John Ferrara of, uh, of Nimble uh, CRM, actually said, hey, Eamon's in town. You two should get together, and um, as we've, we've mentioned, we had a good <laughs> a good day there. What you know, John yeah, being the founder, <laughs> John being the founder and CEO of Nimble CRM. What's your relationship with with Nimble as a company? Yeah, so it, it kind of stemmed from the Microsoft partnership as well. You know, in, in terms of um, the SMB play for 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 CRM, you know, and and where Dynamics may have been a fit or not a fit in some in some SMBs, or perhaps how. Uh, another CRM platform could lead to be a gateway for growth that would ultimately end in, in, in a move to dynamics for the customer. And I just, I, I, I knew there was a gap there in terms of how do you make it simple for SMBs to start using CRM? Uh, and I think that, that that for me, it was the simplicity of the model around Nimble um, and just really cool things that they did. It was, you know, like yourself, I, I do a lot on social. I'm a keen networker on social as well. And I just loved John's approach to using social as a center point for content, uh, contact and unified management. And But like the, the one thing, you know, that, that really sold me on it was, uh, was the prospector tool that they have. So yeah. you, you'll know this as well, like, you know, so for all the years of using CRM for, uh, that I've been involved with, we had a dynamics practice in EMIT as well. The one thing that always really was, was a bugbear for, for salespeople, business development people was, how do I get a new contact into CRM? You know, and, and you know, I remember in, in, in the older days of CRM, you go, you have a good meeting, you think it's a good prospect, you go back to a copy shop or an office, or whatever, you could be typing for 25 minutes, getting all that data in, copy and pasting their website in, their, their fax number in, their email address in, because marketing would be given out to you that you didn't have them, their email address so we can market to them before GDPR, of course. And, um, and so it just, it like my, my buzz of getting a good deal or meeting or prospect was gone by the amount of work that I had to do and then when john showed me uh, how they kind of bring the information in from linkedin or twitter via the so- social information that's out there like i was adding prospects within 30 seconds you know like before they were gone out the door you know of a meeting perhaps um, and it just that that changed for me and I, I just love what they're doing they're obviously heavily involved with microsoft their integration with office 365 common data services as well and uh, yeah, he's just, he, he's great to be around, you know, and he's hugely successful. And, and not only do we do a lot of business together, uh, I've learned a huge amount from him. 
Yeah, John must be, you know, I said he was the godfather of CRM. There's the man who really basically started the whole CRM movement. And I must get him on the podcast, actually, Eamon. So one of the things I'm going to make a note to do is to recap yeah, the that'd job be a good one. After, uh, after that. But uh, yeah, thanks for, for sharing that. You mentioned, you've already mentioned uh, a sort of mentors, people who are influential on you. You include John in that list. Who else has been influential on your growth as a tech entrepreneur? Yeah, so so I think you know I, I often get asked this, you know, and you say there's no one person, you know, there's you know for, for me personally there's no one that I aspire to be. I'm a firm believer in your own personal brand. I inspire to be or aspire to be the brand, the personal brand that I want to create for myself and the organisations that I deal with. Uh, but I think when I look at I, it's it's everyone that I that I meet, everyone that. I'm involved with whether they be CEOs, leadership teams, or any roles in organizations, I always take upon myself to try and learn a little bit from everyone, you know, and that's, you know, that could be anything from the travels, from social media, and from listening to people on podcasts, from uh, attending events as well. I think there's, I, I like to, I like to take a little bit from, from those that I see out there and try and bring that all together, you know, because it's like, you can listen to somebody talk for an hour about one one aspect of their, or their career. I always find there's that one key moment, you know, that they say something that really resonates with you. And what, what resonates with me in the same hour of talk could be a different thing that resonates with you perhaps. But I always just like to take those one, was one key moment and, and learn from a, a group of people that I've come across. So it's, I'm lucky enough to, you know, I've, have, have met with and had conversations and meetings with some of the, the top people in the industry and more than yourself, you know, and it's, it's, it's a gift really, you know, um, and whether it's been on a plane with them traveling back in the States or having coffee with them or meetings or part of meetings. And um, it's, it, it's been great. And I think that's, that's really what has helped me, me growing as an entrepreneur and, um, and, 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 and learn through my career, you know? Yeah, yeah, I absolutely, I couldn't agree more. And I, you know, I share this as, a, as an open secret. The reason I started this podcast is because I was having incredible uh, conversations just full of so much valuable advice and golden knowledge and things. And I was thinking, oh, you know, this is brilliant. You know, I should have shared this with other people. So I started recording the conversations. And I tell you, to this day, I still love doing it, sitting here and listening to people like yourself, just sharing openly and honestly about their journey. There's so much uh, to be learned. So it's, uh, it's great to see that you were continuing that journey. Talking of which, mm. what's next for you? <laughs> and I say that with some trepidation because we've already covered a ton of stuff that you're already working <laughs> on, but knowing you, there's more stuff in the pipeline. What's next, Raymond Moore? Yeah, so well, I think we're, our, our core areas of focus now will be building and, and scaling Hikari. We have a good platform there um, uh, with a great team and a great business. So that, that's, that's, um, that's one aspect. Uh, obviously, on the the artificial intelligence business and the music intelligence piece, there's a big opportunity there, you know, so we've a, we've a large investment round that will close soon. Uh, we're building a great team there in that organization and that's going to take a lot of time and effort, but it, it's really exciting. You know, it's, um, it's, it's the, the opportunity there is, is huge you know, and we're delighted to be involved there. Um, and then after that, yeah, who knows, as I mentioned, I, I turned 40 yesterday. So I'm told that the best years of my life coming up now and then in the next, the next 10 years, um, so, and there's, there's great opportunities coming, you know, I think, um, I, I have a lot of people reach out to me over the last two or three months with opportunities that they're seeing, particularly as a result of the pandemic. Um, and, and there, there, there are a few good ones. There's a lot I'm saying no to. Um, and I think, you know, I, I, I've learned myself, you know, at, at this stage now, like I've absolutely loved 
what what, what we did with EMIT. Um, uh, it was but predominantly based in the Irish market, but we reached global scale and, and global levels with those partnerships and that recognition. Um, so now for me, it's all about scale, you know, and, and it's really about it's about global scale. So when people come to me with opportunities, uh, I, I'm not I'm not looking for something that's just going to say let's address an industry in a, in a given region or country. Uh, the question and the first thing I look at now is how can this scale and scale globally? And I think that for me is is where I personally want to go in the in the next stage of my career. Yeah, I know you get inundated as a tech entrepreneur with pitches, with opportunities. How do you decide what's worth having a conversation about and exploring further and saying no to? What's your decision-making process? Uh, yeah, so a, a lot, some of it's down to, to gut, you know, when, when somebody pitches the idea uh, uh, to you and um, you, you get a good feeling about it as well. I, I think the ones that really impress me, like you could talk about team, you can talk about technology, uh, you, can, you can talk about background, like, and all that is important. The ones that really impress me uh, out of the gates are the ones that have done the research with their markets or customers, you know, and I think it's when, when I when I uh, talk to startups and I'm being through this journey myself, everyone hates that bit, you know. They're all about either the tech or the or the idea, and at times there is a bit of a sense of if we build it, they will come, you know. So you, you can't have that mentality really. And um, so the ones that really impress me are the ones that know the market, know the customer base. They've taken the time to go out, uh, signed up beta customers, or interviewed them in in detail, you know, and 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 done it. Uh, in not just their own country, who have actually managed to go out and attract people in, or customers who have an interest in the solution or technology that they have, and they've given the time to the start to say, yeah, great, we'll, we'll give you some feedback. And so it's, it's those ones that have done that research and know the market and know the customers, and then have all the good piece around the technology and the team. They're the ones that really get me excited from, from the start. Good advice. I like it. So it should be clear to anybody listening to this that not only are you one of the most connected people in our industry, but you're one of the most interesting people in our industry, just working on cutting edge things. So for everybody listening to this, I would encourage you, you know, follow Eamon on uh, social media. He puts some really interesting stuff up, but just looking at the conversations that Eamon's having, you can you can learn a lot. Uh, Eamon, if anybody listening wanted to continue the conversation with you directly, how uh, how could they best get in touch with you? Yeah, well, I, I think social for me is probably the easiest one. Um, so by, by all means, connect with me on LinkedIn uh, or connect with me on, on, on Twitter. I think we'll share the details anyway, but it's at Eamon Moore. Um, and they're, they're the two easiest ones to get me. I spend a lot of time on social, so you'll probably get me there quicker than you get me on email. Absolutely. Uh, Eamon, this has been an absolute pleasure to catch up with you. I'm so proud of what you've achieved with Emit. I'm so excited by what you're doing with the current businesses and Hikari and the AI for, business, for music intelligence. It just blows my mind some of the things that you're doing. Um, I wish you all the best in the future and thanks so much for joining us today. Oh, great. Well, thanks for having me. Really enjoyed it and great to catch up as always. Cheers, Eamon. Cheers. Hey folks, Richard here. Thanks for listening today. I know you've got a ton of options for who you listen to nowadays, so I really appreciate your support. Do you have any feedback on this episode? Ideas for future guests? Tweet me at Tublog using the hashtag TubTalk. I respond to every tweet and really appreciate your feedback.
Richard here and I wanted to give a really big shout out and to say a huge thank you to our friends at Avast for bringing this episode to you. In the face of increasingly complex threats targeting small and medium businesses, yesterday's methods are no longer enough. Cybersecurity must be quicker, smarter and more reliable than ever before. Avast Business provide a range of powerful, easy to deploy security products and management platforms designed for IT solution providers and managed service providers. Avast Business offer a variety of cybersecurity products that are MSP friendly. You can choose from standalone antivirus products, managed antivirus products, cloud care for layered endpoint and network security services, backup and recovery, content filtering, email security, patch management, and a management console to easily deploy endpoint protection solutions to devices in your client networks. These solutions are all backed by the largest, most globally dispersed threat detection network in the world. If you've not checked out Avast's secure internet gateway, then I'd recommend taking a look at the video demo that Avast's Paul Fenwick and I recorded. It delivers a full security stack as a service that protects users wherever they go. With 30 years as a leading cybersecurity company and over 435 million active users of Avast products, if you haven't already taken a look at what Avast business is offering, now might be the time. Visit tublog.co.uk forward slash Avast for links to all the details. Hey team, this is Richard again. Just one more thing before you take off, and that is MSP Insights. Now, every Tuesday, I share my thoughts on the business of IT with you, the managed service community. Thousands of managed service providers already subscribe to MSP Insights. It's easy to sign up, easy to cancel. MSP Insights is basically a short email from me every Tuesday without fail with advice on growing your IT business, plus cool resources I found, discovered, or started exploring that week. It's kind of like my diary of cool things and often includes articles or books I've read, tools I've discovered and events I think you'd be interested in, often sent to me by my friends and Tub Talk podcast guests. So if that sounds fun, a short tiny bite of MSP goodness every Tuesday and you'd like to try it out, just go to go.tub.co forward slash Tuesday. That's go.tub.co forward slash Tuesday. Drop in your email and you'll get the very next one. Thanks for listening.